Bill is a failed skydiver and a bear sometimes he runs. Ben's always traveling, an occasional beach bum. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP Town Hall. Ben created Eye on Off, he's a comic book fanatic. Phil made Pyro CMS, he's probably in a kayak. Phil talks a lot, Ben not at all. It's BHP. Town Hall. Random guests, alcohol, BHP, Town Hall. Welcome to another episode of PHP Town Hall, episode 82, Another UUID Bites the Dust. And if you guessed what our title is cryptically talking about, we have Ben Ramsey back on the show. It's been a hot minute since you've been on here, Ben. I think the last time we had you on, I was Phil, and Jacques was with you. And I don't ben remember Edmonds when was I was so on. I think, oh, yes, I do remember, because I think yeah. Phil passed out. Jesus Wait, like, <laughs> legit passed out? Which episode was that? I am I am pretty certain that Phil fell asleep <laughs> during the the recording or like at the end or something. And this is why we have multi-million dollar sponsorships. <laughs> is, is is this the point where we say, hey Taylor, give us money? <laughs> That's all in the past. That, that was years ago. <laughs> New Phil is much more awake. <laughs> I don't. To be fair, it's getting pretty close to my official bedtime. Just saying. Ooh, so Matt, Matt's saying he might pass out here soon. Too. And, uh, I don't think the bedtime was why Phil fell asleep. Just <laughs> out there. It was pretty late for him, though. I, I believe it's it's hard being Phil with all that cider and. I mean, you get tired cycling all day, right? That's true. You really do. I think Jacques and I were at a conference, so we were in a room together. Oh, maybe that's a different one. I don't remember. Anyway, someone was passed out on a podcast that I was on once. I think it was Phil. It's a good bet, you know. <laughs> it's, it's very possible. Um, next time we have Phil in the States, we will ask him about that. Um, Is he allowed back? I don't know. Well, we have a new president. And that president's pretty That's open to immigration. So to be fair, he might be able to be allowed to come back in. I'm not really sure how how that works. But on to more fun topics. So um, this is going to get really confusing. So I'm going to call you Ramsey. And I'm going to call Ben Edmonds. Ben. Oh, well, actually, I, I hear Ramsey is your the... middle name, right? So uh, Yeah, Ben is your... my middle name. What's your legal name? Oh, I didn't know that. I'm not sure. If we... um, David is my first name. It's uh, much worse than Ben, so I appreciate you choosing Ben to go by. <laughs> I am Jesus. of no relation to the financial advisor. Oh, we got the new title. The uh, hold on, hold on, I'm thinking the less wealthy Ramsey, the less, <laughs> the less douchebaggy Ramsey. Well, oh, I mean, that's, that, also that's, why, that's also why you don't have sponsors. <laughs> yeah, probably. But then again, well, at the if, same if time, Dave like, Ramsey wants to sponsor, we do talk about finance every now and then. Yeah, every once in a while. 
And look, if if he wants me to bring a loaded gun on the stage to talk to people, I will absolutely do that. Oh, that's I right. don't own a gun. Yes. But I if you wanted to this. if you wanted to, you know, I like I I I've I've given a talk at that place at the Ramsey headquarters down in uh where is it, Franklin? Somewhere Lamb- Brent, Brentwood, Brentwood. Yeah. And like just walking across that threshold, <laughs> like A, I thought I was gonna get like struck down by Jesus. <laughs> and second off, like there's just like a really weird and awkward vibe of that place. Just just standing in their um their like I don't want to call it performance hall, but they're, I guess like their, their large conference room where they have like the stage and everything. And just standing in that area alone was just enough for me to be like, I don't know. It's like, I'd rather stand in the, rather stand in the pulpit of a church than. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I imagine there's the same exact vibe. Probably this is. is. I mean, this is getting very off topic, but when we I know it only took us 0.5 <laughs> seconds to get somewhere else. <laughs> there was a bet with uh, I had to be the best man at my brother's wedding, and he was in like a fancy church in Charleston. And friends of mine were betting how long it would, how many steps I could take into the church before um, I struck down. So, my bet would be how many words you get before you start cursing. Two. So on that, hey, on that it, was a, it was a wedding. Weddings don't count for language, right? No, of course they fucking don't. Anyways, <laughs> so Ben Ramsey, the biggest thing we want to talk about because you're kind of the most accessible person that I think we both know so far to become a a, a release manager of PHP 8.1 or a re- release manager of PHP in general, and you're managing 8.1. Um, how like when I, I know they put out a call for release managers, what kind of what what was the drive behind taking on that kind of project? Yeah. Um, well, we put out a call for release managers now every year because of the way the new release cycle. I still call it new, but it's excuse me. We've had the release cycle for maybe five, six, seven. I don't I can't keep up with time, but we've had it for uh, many years now. But um, each minor version, if you're going by like some Simver uh, terms, uh, each point release of PHP gets their own set of release managers. And those release managers will um, start working on the release up until general availability, which is usually in November. And then after that, um, they're committed to working uh regular releases for the next three years uh, until end of life for that release. Um, the reason I jumped in uh, last year, I, I uh, put my name in uh, because I wanted um, really, I have been wanting to kind of get involved more in uh, contributions to internals for years. And I've been around the internals community since 2003. Um, and I've known a lot of the people there. Uh, I've made a few small patches and contributions. Um, but I'm just not like, I don't feel confident with my C programming level. And so I was hoping, uh, two things would happen. One is I'm able to contribute uh, in a way that I am very comfortable with. And that is, you know, doing releases and deployment and 
kind of open source software development life cycle type stuff. And then um, the other thing is to have bet more exposure to C and to, to maybe learn a lot more about it and how PHP is structured and on the internal side. And yeah, I, I did do a Ray column. That's not actually the small contribution I was, I was mentioning, but it, it is one of them. Um, I did some patches for like uh, constants in PDO years ago. That was, and then my first contributions ever to PHP were uh, to the PHP GTK website, which I don't know. Have, have either of you ever worked with PHP GTK? Oh, yeah. Built some uh, really nice charts with it back uh, <laughs> years ago. I might, I might have still been in middle school. Right. Well, you probably were. <laughs> the uh, I built. Um, I I have it on my GitHub now. I put it up as like an archive repo. I I pulled it out of SourceForge <laughs> and moved it over to GitHub. And um, it was uh, I called it P Edit, which was similar. It, it looks like G Edit which is the GNOME editor on Linux. And uh, GNOME obviously uses GTK. So I created a, uh, a PHP application that runs as a GUI editor. It just looks like Notepad on your uh, computer. I don't know if it'll run anymore. Like it, it's been 15 you years since I ran it. You use this daily? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did it for fun. So with you, you talked about like wanting to get to know the internals a little bit more. Um, how how much actual C programming is required for someone to be uh, a release manager for a PHP version release? Uh, really zero. Like you 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 need to be well. I guess you need to be able to find your way around the source code. It doesn't necessarily mean that you need to know how to program in C well. Uh, so you do need to, to know a little bit about programming in general. And, you know, when you open up a C source file, if you've worked in JavaScript or Java or PHP or, you know, any other C style language before with braces and that kind of thing, you're, it's going to look familiar. Um, I think that the biggest things that are going to throw you off, well, these are the biggest things that throw me off, uh, are point, pointers and the macros. Macros were some weird voodoo nonsense to me until opening it up in an IDE that actually can work because uh, it follows the macros around. And I, I mean, I, I've had to learn basically that a macro in C is essentially just, it's, I don't know how to describe it, but at compile time, it pulls that code in to that location. And it becomes part of that spot. So it's just copy paste. It's like a, a way to, well, that's exactly what a macro is normally, right? So yeah, like, it's kind of like a mix in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Things. It's a way to have like a snippet of code somewhere that just gets imported to that location at compile time. And then technically it's the macro is gone and the code is just there then. Um, so yeah, that's something I've had to kind of like comfortable with a little bit but um i don't really think that that's i mean that that's not the biggest thing you need to know about in being the release a release manager i think the biggest things you need to be able to do are excuse me 
you need to know how to navigate a Git repository. You need to know how to, you know, work on pull requests and, you know, go to Git and respond to pull requests and, and pester people to, um, to update their pull request. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot more of that kind of stuff. It's, it's like, okay, I see that this PR, uh, is trying to target 8.1. It could be a bug fix. It could be a new feature. At this point, new features are cl- closed. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. As of tomorrow, uh, new features are closed. And, uh, I actually, I guess if you're, um, if you're already, what time is, oh, if you're already, uh, four hours ahead, then it's, it's already too late. You've missed the window. <laughs> um, this, but, uh, this podcast will be released in about 10 days. So I definitely <laughs> yeah. missed that window. <laughs> so you definitely missed that window. Yes. Uh, I actually wasn't sure, like, if you were legitimately broadcasting this to YouTube or something live. So I, I had no idea. We are actually to probably the one person that stumbled upon it. <laughs> so yeah, I, I mean, um, we don't like have a legitimate following on YouTube or anything. So I'm rambling here quite a bit, but I think um, to answer your question, no, there's, there's not, you don't have to be a master of C or even like, um, a, uh, intermediate C programmer. You can just be a novice. So with the, like with a GitHub, like you're just talking about like issue triage and things like that. I mean, I've watched the GitHub repository just for my own fascination of trying to kind of understand what goes on. So like how much of issue triaging are you doing versus someone like Nikita who is what's he's, he's a robot in the core. So Joe, um, Watkins. Or Joe, is, yeah. yeah. Joe, Joe Watkins is our, is our kind of mentor. Uh, so it's me, Patrick Alert, and Joe Watkins are the release managers for 8.1. I probably should have said that at the very beginning. Claiming um, all the credit. Yes. Uh, but I think Joe's, I think each release manager has their own kind of philosophy on how that works from Joe's perspective. He likes to triage um, quite a bit. And, uh, so his advice was to get in there and start tagging things with, with labels. Like, uh, there's a, a list of labels in there. Like one of them might be waiting for the author, like, cause a question was asked and the author hasn't responded in a few days or a couple weeks. So you might want to put that label on it, that kind of thing. Uh, or you respond, you know, yourself and say, Hey, what's the status of this? So there's that level. And then, um, I've talked to Derek, uh, Red, Redsons and, um, uh, he doesn't do a lot of that. And a lot of that, the reason for that is because Nikita and Christoph and others already do that. Uh, so they're already going through and making a lot of those, like asking those questions. And so I kind of see my role as just like a support role. Um, I'll go through some of the older things and, and comment on them to see if they need to be, you know, brought up to date kind of thing. But yeah, Nikita and, and others, you know, do a lot of that too. I think it's pretty good information for people, right? Cause a lot of people want to get involved, but maybe feel intimidated by the whole process of internals and especially the C programming. It's pretty cool that you can be involved and very involved as much as the actual coding. Right. And just by being a release manager and helping through that process. Um, 
So to give people kind of an idea, what kind of time investment was this from you? Um, it doesn't really, I mean, it, again, I think that can vary based on how much time I want to give to it. Uh, I probably spend two hours a week or so just kind of going through the, um, uh, the issues on GitHub and also, and this hasn't happened a whole lot yet, but it will start happening as we get into the beta and release candidates. Um, we'll start looking through the bugs because people will start reporting bugs and some of them will need to be fixed before release. And some of them, you know, may not have to be. So we'll start getting into that. And, but I don't think that the time commitment's going to be, um, become burdensome in that. On the release weeks, which is technically every other week, we're doing a release right now. So tomorrow we're going to cut the release or, or tag the release for beta one. And on Thursday, we'll actually make the announcements for the release. So that's how a release week goes. You tag it on Tuesday and, and announce it on, on Thursday. That gives, um, that gives the Windows build and Fedora build team, like Remy, um, will go in and do, um, I'm sorry, not Fedora, but the, um, uh, Debian packages, uh, will go in and do all of the, um, the builds there. And also, um, I actually may have said that wrong now. <laughs> I have. You could probably just say Remy packages, right? Yes, I'm trying to remember which ones. Okay, those are the 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 RPM based ones. All right, I'm sorry. So Remy will actually do um, the the packages, and then uh, I think Christoph does packages for Windows, uh, and then so those will happen between Tuesday and Thursday, so that when you make the release on Thursday, that all the packages are ready. Uh, so maybe an oddball co- question: Is this a attack vector, right? So if you got a release manager that wanted to fuck some shit up, and you tagged an inappropriate release, would that be an attack vector on the general PHP community? Um, that's a very good question. So you know that d- did you cover this in a previous podcast? The um the bad commit that was made uh, a few months ago. <laughs> I'm aware of that. I don't remember if we covered it, Matt. Because we, I don't we felt th- like I don't it was almost a non-event by the time we recorded next. I, I don't have all the details in front of me, so I can't remember exactly what happened. But someone was able to... So the attack vector wasn't a release manager, but someone was able to access the uh, old uh, Git repository system, the server, and make a fake commit or several commits or something. And those got into the master or main branch and um, they looked like they came from Rasmus, but they weren't signed with his uh, key. And I don't think we've enacted this yet, but one of the things that we try to do is always sign everything with our key, our GPG key. So, um, and all of our, all the release managers have their GPG keys as part of a keychain that anyone can download and use to verify a tag. And so uh, Remy and anyone else that's doing packages for any distribution can look at those tags and compare them with the, with those uh, um, 
signatures to verify that we were the ones who who made the commit and made the tag. Uh, so it, but coming back to your question, if there was a rogue release manager who decided they wanted to fuck shit up and um, make some bad commits and they would already become a release manager, that would be a little different <laughs> scenario uh, because they would have their key in the keychain and everything. Um, so yeah, I guess that could happen. I think that uh, people people pay attention, so it's not like a quiet thing. So if some if I were to make a bad tag, then that would get backed out pretty quickly. I think. Uh, in okay. fact, we've had um, let's see a couple of yeah on the second beta, I believe I had gone ahead and tagged and. Um, announced to the other release managers that the tag was ready. Uh, someone found uh, not a security issue. It was just a, a broken build. The build didn't work uh, in some system. So they reported that they had a fix for it. We went ahead and deleted that tag and then um, uh, retagged with the, with the fix so that that bait, the second beta didn't, have the problem in it because no one would have been able to to build it with a certain uh, configuration um, option if if it had gone out. So it would have had to wait two more weeks for the next beta to be fixed. Um, yeah, so there's the, there's always that option. So I think the uh, the real question is how much does it cost for you to sell your soul? <laughs> what do you want? What are you tree fitting? Tree fitting. It's gonna be some um, like crypto money we could throw into the core. Yeah, let's uh, let's yeah. talk about putting some Bitcoin crypto mining in the core. You know what? Would no, be we really can't get a fucking sponsor. We can do this at least. What'd be interesting? <laughs> I is have some Dogecoin I can throw in your in your face. That would then like roll out to every server in the world, basically, and we could just use them all as for crypto mining. Turn the whole world down. How? Yeah. Well, first off, that'd be antithetical to everything Phil has been aiming for. We burned the whole world for the last two and a half years. So there's that. Second off, we probably that's a good question. Next time we have Phil on, the first question is going to be, "Do you own in crypto?" And if he says yes, just blocking him immediately. Isn't there some crypto that does uh, proof of? stake instead of proof of work or is it which one's the bad one which one's the proof of work is the bad one because you have to do the computations yeah (laughs) phil could own proof of proof of stake then and and still be okay he can own ethereum 2.0 so anyways no not really uh one question that you kind of just sparked my mind though so when you tag on tuesday release on thursday is it accessible to people after the tag, just as long as they know how to compile from source, is that kind of yeah? Like there's yeah, a- the uh, the tag is already ready. Um, it's it's in GitHub, and that's why like if if you delete a tag, that's kind of problematic sometimes. But we haven't announced it yet, so it's kind of at your own risk uh, until it's officially announced that it's out. Mm-hmm. It's not been posted to the website at. There are there are some feeds that uh, when we post to the website, 
other channels around will pick that up. Um, there's like some JSON um, files that they can pick up to see that there's a new release. So that doesn't go out till Thursday. Um, sure. But yeah, you could totally like end it like sometime tomorrow, you'd be able to find the tag and they would, um, there would actually be source packages available on either my downloads folder or Patrick's downloads folder. Uh, there's like a downloads.php.net um, tilde Ramsey. Here, I'll paste it in here. It's not secret. These are what go out in the announcements on uh, Thursday, usually. And just depending on which one of us is the one who does the, the build on Tuesday, uh, that determines kind of which, which person's bucket it goes into, basically. So does that does that switch off like uh, release to release to release? Like, or is it just Patrick is awake earlier? He's able to get it faster? Or is it just is it how? Um, no, it uh, actually we haven't really set a schedule. Um, I think last time, oh, last time I did it, Patrick was stuck in a meeting and uh, couldn't make it. But what we've done is set up like a call time on Google Meet where we just get together and do the, do the release. And so last time he, uh, he, he was stuck in a meeting. And so I did the build. And then on Thursday, because he hadn't done the announcements yet, I just said, Hey, go ahead and do the announcements. Cool. <laughs> so like what, what has been the hardest thing for, for you to kind of grok in this whole process? That's a really good question. Um, it's hard for me to answer because I think that uh, I think that everything about it is nothing in it is new to me right now. Um, all of this stuff is stuff I've done throughout my career, and I've, I've built PHP from source many times. I've um, worked in Git and GitHub uh, for many years, so those are just the skills I already had. And uh, so nothing really struck me as different or new or something I had to get used to. I think, yeah, I, th I think that there's not been like a, I know that's a horrible, I mean, it's not a horrible answer, but it just sounds, I don't know. I don't know how that comes across, but it, I mean it in the sense that like, I felt ready to, to do this at this stage because I already knew all those things. So are you, it sounds like you're one upping yourself for another release, three releases down the road. Okay. Um, so I don't know. So that I've done three releases now, three alphas. Tomorrow is the first beta. And Joe says it goes very different from the by, alphas. By tomorrow, he meant nine days ago. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Last two, like, Nine days ago, it will be different. Um, <laughs> I will have, I'm going to try to talk in the future perfect. So the hard part is we don't actually post 10 days from now. We post an indefinite number of days from now, whenever I get around to downloading the audio and sending it to the editor. Um, so basically, Ben downloads it, sends it to our editor, sends it, he gets it back, messages me because Ruby is messed up on his computer. And then it's whenever I remember to do the blog post that we end oh, up okay. posting. So yeah, it could be nine uh, days. It could be 48 hours. It could be. It could be 30. I mean, but yeah, yeah. so. It could be 2022. 
beta is uh is supposedly different and the release candidates go a little differently and then general releases go a little differently. So I'll so, I'll learn how that goes when we get to them. I I haven't gone through that process yet. I mean, I would imagine Joe's maybe keyed you in on it, but is, is like is he using differently in like a good sense or a bad sense? Or is he saying like the because alphas are generally considered rough around the edges. They they need a little bit of work. Betas are tend to be a little bit more polished, a little bit more refined before the the GC candidates come out. Is it is is that kind of what he's bracing for, or are you like bracing for just everything to kind of I don't want to say go wrong, but like it just be a little bit of a rougher release, if that makes sense. I think I think what happens is that like the betas are when you start receiving death threats. So oh, sweet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, let me uh, let me post a link here. Uh, there, this is actually in the PHP uh, repository. Um, these are uh, this is the release process. It's a markdown document that just kind of describes the process. So there's just a few different steps you take during release. Uh, when I was saying it was very different, but I don't think it's like drastically different. There's packaging a non-stable release and announcing a non-stable release. And there's like two or three separate steps that are different for beta versus alpha. So, and I think it's really, here, let me see what it, if I, um, let's see. I think that there is a different email that goes out for one of them. So that's, that's the main difference. Uh, the news entry might be different. Yeah. So it's, uh, there's not a lot of difference. Cool. Okay. So last question we'll ask about the internals process before we move on. PHP 8.1, great release or the greatest release? It's the GOAT. It's the GOAT. That's lofty. That's lofty nah. after everything Cal Evans did to talk about how great 7.0 was going to be. Right, right. I'm actually how surprised. How is Cal doing? I, I don't know. I haven't talked to Cal in ages. Yeah, it's um, been a minute. The, it is interesting you mentioned that. There was this huge push for everyone to upgrade to 7. I think we yeah. someone had gotten a website, gophp7.org or something. It might still be around. and uh, But none of that really kind of happened for PHP 8. So I'm not quite sure. If that's because you know everyone's kind of updating anyway, or or what? I mean, it could be. I mean, I I've definitely been tracking the eight releases just because I want to keep my company's projects on the latest and the greatest. But there definitely is not the groundswell of um, like there, there's just not like the groundswell of enthusiasm around this release as there was around seven. I mean. Cal did like a, a tour of user groups um, from what I remember just talking about PHP 7 and getting it all. Maybe it's just because there was such a long period between 5.6 and 7.0 and everything was 6.0 that it kind of felt like a, a momentous occasion where now like there's, I mean, there's new blood in the internals. There's, there's fresh faces. There's fresh people doing work on the internals, such as yourself stepping up as a release manager. It's not just Sarah, Joe, Nikita, Kristoff, and 
um, a few of the other people that are commonly thrown around. So I think we're both kind of, it's both in like a great spot because it's, it's pushing PHP forward. Like we're getting enums and fibers, which is awesome. But at the same time, like it's kind of moved past its rocky. Yeah. Couple, like like it, it's, it's, it's gone from being a 16 year old. that's learning how to drive and terrifies us as it drives down I 24. And instead it's, it's a mature adult that knows how to use its, its uh, turn signals and two hands on the steering wheel. Music's as at a cool 10. And we're not afraid. We're not worried. I think that's a good analogy. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. Seven was a big deal, not only in terms of syntax and features, but also mm-hmm. in terms of performance and stability. Uh, I think if, we, if you were to look at benchmarks between 5.6 and 7, they're drastically different. Uh, from yeah. those of 7.4 and 8. So you don't see that huge kind of performance and bo- boost. Um, there's, there's the JIT, which is probably the main impetus for even calling it 8.0 instead of 7.5. Um, so I, I think that's the main reason why like it, we bumped the major version, uh, just because there was a little bit of a paradigm shift there. But as people, you know, have pointed out, like the JIT's not really going to impact you if you're in a standard web dev kind of cycle, like a request response cycle where PHP is not long lived. However, um, we are starting to see a lot more long lived PHP processes and projects to support that like react and amp and swool and that's i mean that's why fibers is is there is to support those kinds of projects uh so yeah i think we're we're starting to see php move in in a different direction um to, away from that kind of uh short-lived process like server client process mm-hmm. uh not client but you know what i mean like a part of the request cycle for http um, it's moving to into different areas, and so these are these are features and functionality that will support that. Uh, that said, though, I think eight point one has a lot of the kind of syntactic sugar that people have been looking for. Um, still, doesn't have the the one big thing that I've been wanting, and that's generics. But that might take forever to get in there. Who knows? <laughs> We're never but, getting generics. No, but, uh, well, like we had Joe Watkins on to talk about that and he talked about how hard yeah. in theory it is to get generics into the core. Yeah. But we're getting lots of cool things like enums and now read only properties and, um, new initializers and, uh, in um, new in initializers. So yeah, all that kind of stuff is is coming, and so um, it'll make a lot of people happy. I think. Yeah, I mean, it just feels mature at this point. Like I, yeah. I feel safe. So I mean, like we use Laravel at work, we use Laravel Forge. Taylor, if we sponsor us, it would be it's awesome to just go into the Laravel Forge UI and click install eight switch the CLI and the FPM processes into eight eight and it's not like a uh, like I'm not sitting there with my team on Slack, being like, "Is, is this going to work? How's this going to go?" Kind of thing. Yeah, like, I think that's one of the things. 
Yeah, that's one of the things that PHP is kind of known for. That was the big thing from like 5.6 to 7 is like things are going to break. But going from 7.4 to 8, you know, there's not a lot that's going to break. PHP still tries to maintain a high level of backwards compatibility. Yeah. So I think the other big thing for, for you on your front, a lot of people knew you for the longest time as a staff engineer at Shoeproof. And I mean, as far as I knew you, that was where you worked. And so you, you ended up uh, becoming a staff engineer um, at another place. What, like how, how has that transition been so far and, and how is it, how is it not being a shoe proof? <laughs> well, that was like nine days ago and two years ago. So <laughs> we would like you to stack rank the different companies you've worked at. Like ah. Oh, that's actually, you know, those are. Th- so I, I was a software architect at shoe proof was my title there. Um, yeah. I moved uh, to Skillshare where I'm now, a, where I'm a staff engineer. And I think that the thing that, uh, one of the main reasons like I made that switch was uh, I'd been at Shoeproof for almost six years and it just felt like it was time to, to, to move on. Uh, I, I wanted to, um, I was kind of the senior most developer and I wanted to go somewhere where, you know, there were other people more senior than me. Uh, who, who I could learn from. Uh, so I, yeah, so started w- looking around for that. That was specifically my goal. And, and I found that here at, uh, Skillshare. Um, we have a good team. And, uh, also I had started learning about that, you know, staff engineer title. And so that, that's like kind of a new title to me. And, uh, the title above it, uh, principal engineer is, is also new. So I, I started learning about those titles maybe three or four years ago. Uh, I've never worked in the Bay Area, so I think they were more common with companies out there. Uh, the 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 idea being that these are titles for people who are senior but are um, are working more uh, on an individual contributor track versus an engineering management track. Uh, so, you know, different people will take different paths in their careers. Some developers decide they want to go manage people that they're, they're really good at, at working with people. They understand the, the engineering uh, problems. They can communicate with the business people. So they're really good at that. Um, I've kind of decided that like, that's not what I'm great at. That's not what I enjoy. I enjoy building software. Uh, but I want to, you know, grow more in that and be able to continue like a growth path that doesn't take me, you know, that doesn't make me feel like I'm stagnating or something. So uh, I think that that that's a path that uh, I learned about and and uh, Skillshare provides. And so that's one of the main reasons why why I'm here. Um, I also like, I mean, there's there is no problem with with shoot proof at all. So I'm not like trying to throw anyone under the bus at all. Like that's a great company, still a great company. Uh, actually it's funny um, in uh, the midst of like COVID. So for anyone who doesn't know this, which I think Matt's probably, you, you probably are aware of this, but like no one else really is who's listening. Uh, when I worked at Shoeproof, they're based in Atlanta and I would drive down maybe once a month 
Um, but I was the only remote worker and that ends up getting very difficult, especially as the team grows and they're growing in the office. Um, it, uh, it puts a lot of strain on communication. It puts a lot of strain on, uh, culture. So yeah, like those kind of things that, that was kind of starting to become frustrating, but last year because of COVID, they closed their office and all went remote. Uh, Skillshare did the same thing. So we're all remote now. Um, but I got like a message back and it's like, hey, we're all remote now, just like you like it. <laughs> I was so like, they go, right. like remote permanently or just for now? Um, as no, I think it's permanent. I think it's permanent. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have friends who work there and like, like I, I talked to Chris Spruck at least once a month at this point, um, a little bit more when we can, but you know, life and stuff. Um, but no, it's funny. You mentioned the, the staff, uh, engineer level because until, so Ben Edmonds knows this, but there's a Slack that he actually, uh, talked me, talked about to me called the uh, Rand's leadership Slack. And it wasn't until I joined that community that I learned about there's roles past senior engineer, senior developer, whatever you want to call it, that doesn't involve um, going into management. And like, there's a whole staff engineer channel and it, it's, it's, I mean, I'm nowhere near that level of my career, but it's, it's fascinating just to like read what other people are um, working on, contributing to uh, dealing with and stuff like that. And so, yeah, I mean, like I, I totally get what you're talking about because I'm I feel like I'm kind of on that same track where obviously I'm gonna go past a senior engineer at some point in my career, but managing people just sounds it's not really my jam. Um and so yeah, like the the finding that I see the individual contributor path past senior is is something to definitely look for. Yeah, I worked for a company years ago. It was an agency and on paper, they had that like IC track that went all the way up to they they didn't use the the terms you know staff engineer and principal engineer, but I think they called it a VP of engineering. But you were still an individual contributor somehow. But in practice, no, it didn't work. Like no one ever advanced during that on that track. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm happy to see. Uh, the industry embrace this and, and there's a lot of great people I follow on Twitter who are staff engineer or principal engineer. And I feel like, I feel like I'm still learning a lot um, from them and from, you know, the company I work for, the people I work for uh, or under. And so I'm still kind of figuring out what it means to be a staff engineer myself and what, you know, how that, translates into being a principal engineer and and um yeah that's cool i really enjoyed the difference right so i was a cto before this which meant i had the technical side then also managed people and just being able to like solely focus on the ic part has been pretty refreshing for me and also like interesting and it's cool the skills you get to use that are management skills generally, but also they like still work as a staff engineer. Cause you're like, your, your job is to influence people and help things get done. Even if that doesn't include coding. Um, 
So yeah, I, I've enjoyed it a lot. Uh, one question I have for you is at Skillshare, how much of your time is spent coding versus other things? And what are those other things, right? So like, I try to educate a lot of people I talk to that once you move past senior engineer, usually your job is not to code anymore. You might still code, but it's one tool in a tool set. Um, and so that can be like a weird transition. So I'd like to hear more about mm -hmm. that for you. <clears throat> well, actually, a lot of the stuff I'm working on right now is is all code. Um, I, I do understand the difference that you're making there, but I think that, uh, really what it kind of tends to, to do, uh, at least I think for our organization is that we're, we're still kind of learning like what that looks like too. Uh, we had some people on, on staff that had principal engineer title, but that's because they were hired in with that title. And now they've, they've started we've started to actually mature as an organization so we've started to standardize on like what all these things kind of mean um but it was explained to me that you know as you move into that really more senior level it, it's kind of you become kind of the the leader of whatever the team is that you end up kind of forming around whatever goals or projects you you currently have so you become much more autonomous within the organization, still kind of following, still following the goals of the organization. Um, and when I say organization, I mean, not just like the overall company, but like the engineering organization has its own goals and the product organization. So you end up working within those goals to kind of tackle whatever projects that, that you see that are, that, that have been important to fulfill those goals. And they may be projects that like some other team just can't take on because they're, they're focused like on product facing things. And they've got a product manager who has their own goals to, to meet. So they can't go and work on something that fixes, uh, weird, um, like, uh, I've just lost the term, um, legacy. Gosh, why couldn't I think of legacy? My brain is so legacy. I can't think of the word legacy. Um, like to, to go refactor code or to bring it up, you know, modernize it or, or whatever you want to call it. Um, so like a team like, you know, a, a staff engineer or a principal engineer might be like, well, that's the project we're going to take on because it has to get done and it's going to help the rest of the engineering organization, uh, do their jobs better. So I, I kind of see like, and, and this isn't really about the title, but this is more about what I, what I like to focus on is I want to work on things that help the other engineers do their jobs better. That's just what I want to, what I want to focus on. Um, and so as a staff engineer moving kind of up that ladder, like that's really where I want to see my, like try to make my focus is, you know, on finding things, areas that are going to help are other developers do their jobs better? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't remember what the question was now. <laughs> you answered it, right? Like it's, it's a vague job title with a, like a, a yeah, I defined problem set. So really like rambling about it is probably the best thing to do. It's vague, but it's a lot more. I think that there's a lot more consistency around it now than there was for like senior software architects. Like what is that? job mean um some organizations like would do like software engineer 
or associate software engineer, software engineer, senior software engineer, then software architect, then senior software architect. And it's like five levels. It's like, just call them all software engineers and do, do like one, two, three, four, five or whatever. Um, you know, staff engineer kind of is, is a rung on that ladder. So is principal engineer. So is senior staff engineer. Uh, every organization just has kind of like their, their different ideas of what those different roles do. Um, oh, I do remember what your question was. You were asking how much like I do like coding versus not coding. And the answer right now is I do all coding um, because that's what we need in our, our organization. Uh, I would imagine though that uh, we were talking before the podcast because you're working at an organization that has like thousands of engineers versus where I am is uh, <laughs> much, much less than that. Uh, so like, yeah, I think that your responsibilities would be very different. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if they're different. Maybe just the scope's different. Right. But, yeah. Um, I, I guess that's what I mean. Yeah. It's an interesting thing too. Like I do feel like staff is probably a little better defined than architect because there's companies where architect just means like, oh, we hired him early. Right. Like there's, that's the most senior engineer in, you know, a lot of cases. And then there's also the, uh, and a lot of big tech, tech especially architect means you basically just draw diagrams you know yeah yeah that's the thing that that term seems to be less of an engineer focused job yeah like you just said you might draw diagrams yeah and so staff is like this this kind of cool medium between the two where you might draw diagrams but also you're expected to be able to code it that's the best yeah work on yeah so i i recently did write like we do one pagers and i wrote a one pager, but it took me a while because I did, I drew like a process diagram that showed like communication between different systems. Yeah. Cool. No, thanks for sharing. It's, um, it's an interesting thing, right? I feel like the industry is kind of coming to its own because staff is still something like I wasn't super aware of it until my last job hunt. That's like a thing that you could even do. Um, mm-hmm. And it was really cool kind of mixed to me of like using those manager skills, but still being really focused on engineering. And so I, I think it's nice for people to hear more about like what the, the latter past senior engineer is available to them. Like yeah, from. definitely. Cool. Yeah. Um, so another thing I want to chat about is, you know, uh, 2021 is kind of progressing. We have vaccines and stuff. I know uh, I've seen you at a lot of conferences over the years. What's your like current approach to conferencing? Are you giving virtual talks? Are you giving in-person talks? Like, what's that look like for you? I think I only know of one PHP conference this year that's in person. Um, I don't know if you're allowed to mention them on the on the show. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. I mean, they I think we can mention they... them. We cannot mention their lineup. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Longhorn is uh, coming up in uh, Austin in uh, October. And uh, yeah, I don't, I personally am still like not feeling comfortable with like air travel and stuff right now, but uh, I have no, and the horizon is always like super fuzzy to me. I don't know what's happened. Like we're talking about the Delta variant and all that stuff. So yeah, for me personally right now, uh, I'm not doing in-person events. Uh, even our user group is still has still been meeting virtually. Um, and uh, even though our, 
our our uh, state and city are completely like YOLO on uh, on mask mandates and stuff. But <laughs> Matt knows. <laughs> I I I uh, man. So like on my in my spare time, I give bike tours of downtown Nashville just for fun, like mostly for beer money. Like, but it's fun because like I'm a history nerd. And I re- like our city has a really interesting history of just in general. It's it was it was really fun to learn about um, Timothy Demumbrian, Donaldson, Robertson, all that type of stuff. And I like I remember the first bike tour I did post my COVID vaccine, and I got it pretty early because fortunately my partner, not fortunately, this sounds terrible. But she's immunocompromised. So because I live with her, I got shot to the front of the line. And um, I remember like I, I, I got mine before I got before she got hers, actually. And I just remember like sitting there like as she's like about to poke my arm. I was just like giddy. I was just like, do it. Like, like I get blood drawn all the time because I have a genetic disease. And I'm, like, I don't really care. I was like, just do it. Do it. Like, stick me. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I just remember like, just like the. um. Because like when the when in Nashville when the quarantine first started, one of the things we did, uh, me and a bunch of friends on bikes, was like we rode up and down Broadway because it was empty, absolutely empty, and it was so weird seeing the lights on and no woo girls, no woo <laughs> anything. There was no one puking on the side of the street. There was no one doing it, and so woo uh, girls. <laughs> Man, you mean the bachelorette parties? Yeah, remind me to tell you what I saw today. It was great. It was awesome. But like, so our 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 city, like, it, it was shut down for about three weeks, and then after that, it just slowly reopened to the point where, uh, I remember, like, I rode through downtown Nashville to get to the other side of the river in August, even before that, and it was just like, what pandemic is even happening right now? Yeah. Um, and so like bike tours have started back up. It's been great. It's been fun. But yeah, our state has a uh has a very loose definition of empathy and caring for other people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Want- so anyways, back to um giving talks in oh, yes. Um yeah. So you're mostly doing virtual talks. So I how are you I've, finding that process? Yeah. So I did I think four or five virtual talks last month. And actually, it was the the first talks I had given the entire, like since March of two thousand uh, of twenty twenty. Um, I, I don't know why. Like it had only just struck me earlier this year that oh, I can give talks virtually. I should probably tell people that I'm available. Um, I have given enough talks virtually now uh, that. Uh, I am somewhat comfortable with the the remote or like the virtual thing, but yeah, there's like no audience feedback. Like everyone, everything's quiet. Yeah, you're talking. You have to just like think about it like you're recording for yeah, you know, someone, and not that you have an audience. Otherwise, it it sort of feel it sucks that that audience energy out or. That's not the right phrase Uh, because there's no audience with an energy there in front of you. It kind of sucks that energy out of you. 
if you're not paying attention to it. Like if, if you thrive on that kind of energy, the in-person audience energy, you're not going to get it for a presentation. And so that had been hard to adjust to when I first started doing talks virtually uh, several years ago. But um, yeah, this time, uh, the first couple of times I, you know, had to kind of stumble through it, but I'm giving the same talk. So that makes it easier when you do it multiple times online. Um, you kind of get a little more used to it. So it, it's funny you mentioned that because um, even though like I'm a, I'm a deep seated introvert, it, the first, um, the first virtual talk I gave was for Google developers group in Memphis. And you were there, Ben, it was a, like an intro to, oh, was that your first rest. time doing a virtual talk in the pandemic? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. It might've been my first ever virtual talk. I can't, I don't totally remember, but I just remember like I, I gave that talk and I got done with it. And there was like a 30 second pause of silence when I was just like, <laughs> did I do good? Did I you do did bad? a good job for that talk though? So I didn't but, I but it, tell that you had not given virtual talks much before. It was, it was just like that silence, that 30 seconds of like, like what, how, like wh- what is going to be, like, it was great to give it in flip flops and gym shorts. It was great to give it in the comfort of my own home. It was great to not have to travel for it. Um, even though like, I love the traveling aspect of it. It was, but yeah, I mean, like on the one hand, it's super cool because I remember I joined like the Portland PHP group and watched a few of their talks early on. Um, Merge PHP has been cranking out awesome user group content and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like giving a virtual talk, like it really does require a mind shift of expectations for the speaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For me, I think it's like, I've tried to limit them because I, I did a couple early on and I was like, oh, this is not great for me. Right. Like it was all the work of a conference with very little of the reward, right? So like for me, giving a talk at a conference, the reward really is like the travel, the getting to see these friends that I only see a few times a year across the world, like meeting new people. Like I really enjoy the social aspects of it and you just get none of that, right? So it's the same amount of work for really none of those rewards hardly. You do get a little bit. So you get some people reaching out afterwards, you'll make some new like Twitter connections and stuff, but it's really just not quite the same dopamine hit for me. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. And like Matt, I'm kind of pretty severe introvert. Um, I can, I can pretend I'm extroverted, but uh, um, I have to, I have to get away. And like, if I'm at a conference, I might, get away to my room and just spend like the afternoon there or something after my talk or something like that. But yeah, um, I, uh, I totally get that though. Like I enjoy getting together with my friends at conferences and, uh, and getting to hang out. And so that's something I have missed, uh, tremendously. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's such a, I mean, it's kind of like the, the last one I'll make on the, the conference virtual user group thing. Like on the one hand, I've always joked that like, if I ever get married, like my side of the aisle is just going to look like a PHP conference because that's like where my friends currently mm-hmm. are. Like it'll be half PHP developers, half cyclists. 
<laughs> and it, it'll be hilarious to watch them intermingle. Phil, Phil will be the go-to. He'll, right. He will. He will. But like, and like, I love traveling to different cities. Um, I remember when I went to uh, Cascadia PHP two years ago, I bought an extra day at the hotel, rented a bike, and just rode around Portland exploring, which is cool. But then at the same time, I have to remember, I don't have kids. I'm not married. You know, like, I have these, the availability to do these things with little overhead. Um, I remember we were talking with Zuzana, who uh, is a programmer now at Titan. She's huge in the Laravel community. Mm-hmm. And it's hard for her to get to a conference because she has kids and a family. So it's like, I, I really hope ultimately that there's a happy medium where almost where it's like the speakers can be live in the rooms, but it it is broadcast outside in a way. So that way, like we like like you just said, we get the dopamine hit, which is what we're all after. And <laughs> we get to see our friends, but then the people who aren't able to travel all the time also get to enjoy the the benefit of a conference. Yeah, that's a lot, though, for conferences to to handle. Um, I've seen them try to do uh, the live broadcast stuff, and very few are able to do it. It's expensive, too. Yeah, speaking of expensive, companies should sponsor things, podcasts, yes, conferences. (laughs) Yeah, I I think there's definitely room for some type of hybrid. Right, it's not going to melt the two in some type of interesting yeah. way. I'm, I'm hopeful that COVID will kind of bring out those opportunities for people to really innovate, both in conferences and work and all those things. Right, like as remote work becomes more than a whole thing, maybe remote conferences becomes more than a whole thing too. That reminds me, and I don't want to mention the company on the podcast because they're not uh, sponsoring, but I wanted to. Uh, let, let me pull this up here. Okay, yeah, yeah. So there's a company that specializes in... Um, <laughs> I don't know if they would sponsor. There's this company that specializes in um, these weird online um, uh, like experiences. So everything looks like a 2D graphic Legend of Zelda thing where your character is walking around and you go sit down at a chair around like a table with other people. And it, I, I kid you not, it looks like that kind of animation. Uh, oh, like a second life kind of thing. No, no. Second life's 3d. Right. Oh, right. Okay. So you, yeah. Like old, school I'm talking legend. about like old school legend of Zelda, like flat 2d graphics and you go sit down and then everyone that's there, they're, they're, video windows pop up suddenly when you get there and then you are all talking, you can get up from that chair and then the videos all go off because you've left that group and you go to a different table or a different room. And when you get to that space, like all the videos of all the people who are there pop up. So I just thought this was really interesting that that they've put this together and it kind of feels like a video game, but also like you're moving around and mingling with other participants almost like you're at a conference, but not quite. So it was kind of a really interesting uh, thing to see. 
So there, I gave a talk for the Free Code Camp Nashville, and it was not that, but it's something similar where like everyone was a bubble, and you could kind of latch yourself onto already in progress groups, if that makes sense. So like after I gave my talk, a few people kind of uh, gravitated towards my little bubble, and it it just popped up like different video panels in the app, and so. Like I could see who's talking to me and all that. And then there's a whole other group uh, in a different part of the app where they were having their own conversation. And like, we could meld if we want to, but it was, it was both really cool and also kind of confusing, like how it all work together. But like, I, I feel like that's an area where innovation could definitely add a little something, something. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how, how everything, uh, like how that continues, if it continues, when everything opens back up. It'll be interesting to see the f- like the first couple conferences, at least in the PhD world, to see like what the turnout is and what the kind of sponsorship uh, activity is. Because I I feel like I mean we've talked about this before, Ben. Like pre Ben Ramsey before COVID, there was a groundswell of conferences which was both yeah. awesome to see a lot of community conferences but we were we were all fighting for that that sponsorship money which was not easily accessible yeah so it'll be interesting to see how that's been reset and going forward what does the conference scene actually look like and honestly in the php world like there's not a lot of comp- uh, sponsorship money going uh, to go around so everyone's competing for the same like small group, limited group of companies. Uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I mean, I pushed you from Pi Tennessee. Actually, like I was just like, fuck it. I was like, Linode. I don't know if you do PHP, but I'll hit you up anyways. And they're like, yeah, we have five hundred bucks. It's like, yeah, I'll take it. I don't care. But uh, yeah, Linode. I know Linode. They're they're good. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think I think it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I, I wonder if. Um, you know, well, and I've, well, I just saw this con- uh, conversation going on yesterday on Twitter about um, DevRel, because that's like a big topic right now. We don't have to get into all that. But one of the things that they said was, I think we'll start seeing a consolidation of conferences or like like a, um, a limiting factor of some sort where there's fewer conferences. And that might be the case probably within the PHP community. And um, so I'm not saying that because I want any of them to go away. I like all of them, but yeah, it might yeah. be that we have a smaller group of conferences. We'll see. I think it'll, it'll probably be... take a while to rebuild at the very least. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We're going to have a multi-year roadmap because there's so many companies that just, they were mostly a conference company and now they just don't exist anymore. Right. And that takes a while to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to wrap it up, Ben Ramsey, where can people find you online in case they're curious about anything about being a release manager, getting involved in internals? Um, if they want to know what happens to a UUID after it's been called for the first time. Um, yeah, they can find me on Twitter at Ramsey and, uh, also, you can always send me email ben at benramsey.com. I'm I'm happy to to get your email. 
And I have a website, but it's not updated hardly anymore. So I'm trying to I feel like it's a I long feel like story. Asking for emails would just end in terribleness. I, I don't get enough, so maybe that's why. Maybe maybe this I will regret. I don't know. To be fair, I posted my address on Twitter once and it ended badly. <laughs> so maybe I'm just maybe I'm just afraid of posting things. Uh, but yeah, my website is <laughs> benramsey.com. Um I think awesome. uh I'm hoping to uh to get it to a state where I can update it again soon. It's cool. it's just like it's in dependency hell right now. It's it's all Ruby gems if, that no longer exist. If Matt's laptop stops working with Ruby, we're just never gonna post another town hall episode because that's, that's great. That's our lifeline. <laughs> so god damn it. Just don't ever uh, upgrade Ruby ever. Well, no, like I, the downtown Nashville Apple store has like 16 gig M1 MacBooks, and I'm so tempted. But then I'm like, A, I would have to reset my entire AWS config for our Kubernetes setup. <laughs> and, and that's a nightmare because Kubernetes yeah. is imaginary for the most part. And B, um, I have no idea how I would get like this, the PHP Town Hall website up and running. I, I would be so terrified. I spent hours trying to get it to run again, and it just won't. Like my, my computer just says no when I type in any command. It just says no. <laughs> I mean, Kubernetes just tells me to go away. So I, I feel love that. this. Anyways, this my favorite quote of the night: "Kubernetes is imaginary for the most part." Put it on Twitter. I did, but I didn't. I didn't. Um, no, it's okay. I don't ever. I don't. Kieran says things so. My girlfriend has a job where she uh, she's an account manager for um, uh, a technical blog writing company. And every so often, she will ask me questions about tech. She's like, what is Docker? And what is Kubernetes? And my Twitter is like just overheard of things of her that she said, like, uh, she said, as far as I can tell, Kubernetes is more theoretical than useful. This <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just, I'm just sitting here. Like, say that again. Type, 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 type. Boom. So now I totally get. Uh, Ramsey, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Um, when the world is semi back to normal, let's get a beer. Yes. Uh, ben Edmonds, always great to see you as well virtually. Next time in Atlanta, I will forget to tell you. Yeah, are you in Atlanta That's now, Ben? I'm uh, about an hour and a half south. Oh, okay. That's too far. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I come up to Nashville to see Matt, and Matt cannot come an hour south of his parents' house to come see me. Are you in Jonesboro? Uh, so definitely a great two-way friendship here. I may oh. call this Georgia. Okay. It's cool. really close to the Alabama border, and I just I cannot. It's like right on it. Cannot break. I've been There's there There's nothing wrong with Alabama, Matt. <laughs> as you go on mute <laughs> yeah, there's a lot wrong. anyways uh, again Ben Ramsey thank you so much for taking uh, time out of your evening to spend with us it was great talking with you uh, look for the 8.1 releases coming out soon the first beta is going to be cut probably nine days, <laughs> nine days ago nine, nine days ago um, and the official 8.1 is looking probably near December on average so maybe we'll get lucky and this podcast will come out on release day. It's uh <laughs> it is supposed to be Thanksgiving Day, US Thanksgiving Day. Well, it's, it's a good uh, thing you're not working that day. No. 
<laughs> We're right. actually going to do an event that day, uh, European time. Uh, there's, uh, I don't have the details on it right now, but if, if you're interested, look for it. It'll, it'll, it's being run by a German company. Um, but yeah, we'll be doing like a special day, um, of, of things for the release. Cool. Awesome. Keep an eye off that and we will catch you all later. Bye. Thanks all.